0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And one of the things that was really funny to me after I did my big two and a half hour video on the court decision in Epic versus Apple, the 51st or 52nd part of this now 55 plus video Epic Saga, was that people came into the comments and said, oh, this is going to be a shame. I've learned a lot. There's been a lot of information from both sides, Epic and Apple, about these questions. It'd be a shame for the playlist to close, to which I could only laugh and say, no, 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 the playlist isn't going to close anytime soon, which of course came to fruition, no pun intended, when we saw Epic appeal the court case almost immediately. I think it's two days after the court handed down its decision. But the other reason I said that is because Epic and Apple both are enormously public-facing companies, especially CEO Tim Sweeney over at Epic, who likes to litigate in the court of public opinion on Twitter and elsewhere. And yesterday was no exception, but it also marked a significant turning point in the storytelling about this case. What is that all related to? Well, it's the fact that Fortnite is not going to be permitted by Apple to return to their iOS ecosystem, either on Mac or phone or iPad, until the litigation has reached its final and non-appealable conclusion. So Epic's appealing this case. Apple says you're not coming back until all of this stuff in litigation is done. And now Mr. Sweeney at Epic is upset. We're going to talk about why. We're going to break down some of his comments here because I really think reasonable minds can differ on both sides here from both Epic's perspective and Apple's. As to what just happened, but it's gonna take a little bit of research and a little bit of reading. So let's dive in. Tim Sweeney, September 22nd, 2021. Apple lied. Apple spent a year telling the world, the court, and the press they'd, quote unquote, welcome Epic's return to the App Store if they agree to play by the same rules as everyone else. Epic agreed. And now Apple has reneged in another abuse of its monopoly power over a billion users. And this is the starting tweet for a very long thread in which Mr. Sweeney is going to post emails between him and Apple and Apple's counsel and other reference points. And fortunately, if you're interested, he and Epic Games has actually decided to put this Twitter thread in a press release format on their own website, which you can check out. I will link in the description of this video. Very unusual set of circumstances for a Twitter thread. But we're going to be using the tweets themselves because they link a little bit better to what is actually being discussed here than that release format, but you can check it out. So we're going to start at the top. Apple lied. What does he mean? Now, we've already mentioned in summary what this is all about. They're not going to let Fortnite back on the store. Why does he think they lied? Well, if we go all the way back to August of last year, remembering that Epic put in a hot fix, allowed folks to pay them directly instead of through the App Store, Apple kicks them off the store, Epic immediately sues, and then they ask the court for a temporary restraining order telling the court that Apple has illegal contracts they're in violation of antitrust law and the court should make Apple allow Fortnite on the store Apple responds at that point in time with a bit of language they say the harm raised by Epic here is completely avoidable here and now as Apple has said to Epic and publicly Epic can be reinstated immediately to the App Store if Epic complies with the rules to which it agreed that's the developer license terms that we've talked about here in virtual legality. That's the guidelines that govern how something is reviewed going into the app store, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Apple has even given Epic notice of its right to cure its breaches. All Epic has to do is remove the hot fix that breached its agreements. The only losses that Epic would claim to suffer from reinstatement would be monetary and not irreparable harm. Again, this is in the framework of a temporary restraining order. So Epic is trying to say the court has to use its special powers in order to prevent something irreparable from happening to it. Apple saying, all they have to do is turn this switch off. We'll let them back on the store. They can make money through Fortnite as they have been in the past, as the court would find in the last couple of weeks. They made $700 million in the couple of years where they were monetized on iOS. And everybody would be happy. It would pay the commissions it agreed to pay and abide by the guidelines it agreed to accept for the last decade. The only real issue for Epic is the commission, which it does not wish to pay and about which it is free to litigate. Epic does not need to breach its agreements or throw its own customers into this dispute to litigate an antitrust claim. So, this is language in a legal document where Apple says if you agree to what you've already agreed to, we'll put you back on the store. Now, There's a couple components of this particular language, one of which is it's specifically a year ago. It's trying to convince Epic to stop this nonsense, if you're from Apple's perspective, and just flip the switch, go back to the way it was, we'll fight this out in court, no harm, no foul, and we can proceed from there. It's also not a promise. It's a statement that if Epic did this, this is what would happen, but the court isn't actually asking Apple to make any contractually binding commitments. Now, if Epic had just flipped that switch immediately after Apple files this document in August of 2020, And then they didn't allow Epic back on the store. That might be a problem because they did put this language in front of the court. That isn't what happened. Of course, Apple was probably betting that Epic wouldn't do that. They had already demonstrated that they wanted this to be a kind of righteous cause, whether or not you agree or disagree with them. And so Apple was betting they wouldn't do that. Indeed, Epic did not do that. And so that's where I saw this originally kind of posted. Apple saying, turn everything off and you can come back. They also, however, on the very day that the decision came out, September 10th, also in a comment to The Verge that was really talking about the South Korean law, said the following, as we've said all along, we would welcome Epic's return to the App Store if they agree to play by the same rules as everyone else. Epic has admitted to breach of contract, and as of now, there's no legitimate basis for the reinstatement of their developer account. So as of the court's decision, you have Apple continuing to say, When Epic agrees to play by the rules we've set forth, Epic can come back. Now, if this isn't your first rodeo in virtual reality, you can probably already see the language in which there is no meeting of the minds. And that is, what does it mean to agree to play by the same rules as everyone else? Tim Sweeney thinks that's what they did. He's got this right in black and white in his tweet, Epic agreed. So what does that look like to Mr. Sweeney? Well, he has another tweet for that. Just last week, Epic agreed with Apple that we would play by the same rules as everyone else, and he puts the email that he sent to Phil Schiller at Apple talking about what that means. We're going to read it in its entirety, then we're going to break down what I think are the potential issues from the Apple side, why Epic is doing it this way, and more. Hi, Phil. I'm writing to provide clarity on where we stand. Epic has appealed the court's decision in our suit over Apple's policies on in-app purchase and competing stores. Though we can't update the Fortnite version that users still have on their iOS devices, we've disabled Epic Payments server side and have paid Apple $6 million as ordered by the court. Epic has asked Apple to reactivate our Fortnite development account. Epic promises that it will adhere to Apple's guidelines whenever and wherever we release products on Apple platforms. If we get the account back, we'll bring Fortnite back to Mac as soon as possible and we'll reincorporate Fortnite for iOS in our Unreal Engine development and testing process, which will benefit all of our mutual developers. Whether Epic chooses to bring Fortnite back to iOS consumers depends on whether and where Apple updates its guidelines to provide for a level playing field between Apple in-app purchase and other methods of payment. Epic will resubmit Fortnite to the App Store if you adhere to the plain language of the court order and allow apps to include buttons and external links that direct customers to other purchasing mechanisms without onerous terms or impediments to a good user experience. In that case... Our remaining dispute will be about competing stores, and I genuinely believe we could find common ground on the topic if Apple's position were based solely on user security and privacy rather than commercial interests. As a provider of developer tools, Epic continues to support Apple platforms and our mutual developers wholeheartedly. If you have any questions or thoughts, I'm happy to talk. And a lot of that probably sounds, especially to Tim Sweeney's ear, as if he's capitulating and agreeing to follow Apple's orders as long as Apple agrees to what the court has required. However, there are certainly different ways to look at what is said even in this email. So let's start out in the first paragraph. Epic has appealed the court's decision in our suit over Apple's policies on in-app purchase and competing stores. So as we've talked about in this space, we covered it, appealing an Apple win. Epic has filed a notice of appeal. In fact, they filed it within, I think, 48 hours of the court decision coming down, but That's just a notice document. All it says is we're appealing. The appeals process is now going to require both Epic and Apple, as well as friends of the court, to file briefing documents that are going to explain what it is that Epic is appealing, the questions to be answered by the Court of Appeals. And as it stands right now, nobody, not Apple, maybe not even Epic, although they're discussing it internally, certainly not me, knows exactly what Epic is planning to appeal. They could appeal every single decision That the court made. That's a little bit unusual. Generally, you focus your appeal to things that you think you can win, but we don't know what it is that they're going to choose to appeal. So as it stands right now, just from a timing question, it would be rather silly for Apple to assume that Epic is going to drop certain aspects of its claim against them. With that still outstanding, it makes a little bit of sense for Apple to say, well, we should at least wait to find out what it is you're disagreeing with, with respect to the court, because... The act of appealing that court decision sure looks, to my eye, like a party that isn't quote unquote agreeing to play by the same rules as everyone else. As it stands today, the court found that the vast bulk of the guidelines, of the developer license, of Apple's arrangements in general are not antitrust violations. They are enforceable. And that's how we arrived at the decision in Epic versus Apple. Now that might change. But as it stands right now, Apple's looking at a series of rules and saying, well, you've agreed to follow these and yet you're fighting them in court so do we have to let you back maybe yes maybe no but the court also found that apple doesn't have to let them back by virtue of the contract terms itself so let's continue a little bit with what mr sweeney had to say here so he's a party that's fighting against these rules now claiming that he's going to agree to them in fact That's what I think he's relying upon in this email. Epic promises that it will adhere to Apple's guidelines whenever and wherever we release products in Apple platforms. But obviously, the recent history there is suggestive of a company and a party that didn't do that in the first instance. So again, as I've said here in Virtually Gaddy, one of the things that Apple has at its back for treating Epic this way is that Epic undoubtedly acted in a clandestine or surreptitious or problematic way in deliberately deceiving Apple and the manner in which it breached its contract. So that's another issue that's raised by this kind of question. If we get the account back, we'll bring Fortnite back to Mac as soon as possible. We'll put it in for our mutual developers. And whether or not we choose to bring it back to your phones and tablets depends on whether and where Apple updates its guidelines to provide for a level playing field between Apple in-app purchase and other methods of payment. And here we see... Mr. Sweeney effectively stealing a rhetorical base, right? He says, I'll bring it back as long as Apple provides a quote-unquote level playing field, which is an almost legal term of art. But importantly, it's not one that the court found was required by Apple. And so you see Epic, which just lost this court case, trying to get a little bit of extra wiggle room for what it's allowed to do in the iOS ecosystem. Now, of course, I made a very short video as I think you all know, about the court decision, which you can check out, and I will link it in the description to this video. But we can look at what the court said about these kinds of things. So when we're talking, for instance, about their injunction on messaging out of external payment options, we see the following. While Apple's conduct does not fall within the confines of traditional antitrust law, the conduct falls within the purview of an incipient antitrust violation with particular anti-competitive practices, which have not been justified. Apple's business justification focus on other parts of the Apple ecosystem will not be significantly impacted by the increase of information to and choice for consumers. Rather, this limited measure, this injunction of a specific prohibition, the anti-steering rules, Balances the justification for maintaining a cohesive ecosystem with the public interest in uncloaking the veil hiding pricing information on mobile devices and bringing transparency to the marketplace. Understanding all of that, the court just spent 160 plus pages finding that Apple is okay in requiring exclusive control over its app distribution, the app store, and in-app payment processing and then finds that the actual anti-steering rules, prohibiting somebody from saying something about something being available elsewhere, are what is anti-competitive, but that it's a limited measure balancing the justifications that the court did find for Apple's current operations with this other requirement. So when you go and you look at what Mr. Sweeney is saying here, it's not that Apple in-app purchase and other methods of payment have to be on a level playing field. It's that Apple in-app purchase is fine and they have to abide by the court order in terms of communication. And you can see, even if you're not a lawyer, if you're sitting in Apple headquarters, the fact that Tim Sweeney and Epic, which just recently filed a major lawsuit against you on grounds the court found largely to be non-true and then filed a marketing campaign about that, is now putting language in suggesting that they made gains that they didn't. A level playing field is not required. The ability to speak to people is required. And this continues with the next paragraph. Epic will resubmit Fortnite to the App Store if you adhere to the plain language of the court order and allow apps to include buttons and external links that direct customers to other purchasing mechanisms without onerous terms or impediments to a good user experience. Now Tim Sweeney's not dumb. He's a he's a brilliant person, the head of a large video game publisher responsible in part for one of the best engines in video games, he knows what he did by adding this proviso without onerous terms or impediments to a good user experience. Again, we can go, we can look at the actual court findings here, and we find the following. A nationwide injunction shall issue enjoining Apple from prohibiting developers to include in their apps and their metadata, buttons, external links, or other calls to action that direct customers to purchasing mechanisms in addition to IAP. You see no other restrictions on Apple or requirements. In fact, again, you've got a 185 page document here, mostly about how Apple is justified in trying to maintain its security position, how app distribution control and IAP control is something that has pro competitive business justifications that Epic was not able to argue against to the court's discretion. And so, in an email to Apple, suggesting that the court actually says more than it did, that it's requiring something about onerous terms or impediments to a good user experience, raises every red flag I have if I'm sitting in Apple headquarters. Because at the same time that all this is happening, remember Epic is suing Google and their Android ecosystem, not because they control distribution or their app store or things like that, but because their sideloading is too onerous. It has too many warning screens. And Apple has forever argued that If there's any value to a walled garden and the Apple product on the whole, it's security and privacy. And you can bet that one of the things that Apple's working out behind the scenes is what screen, what warning did they put on their own software for when someone tries to button out to an external mechanism? They might agree. They might not appeal the court's ultimate determination against their anti-steering rules. That's yet to be seen because those briefs have not yet been filed in respect to the appeal. But if they don't, There is no doubt they're going to be imposing certain things. They're going to be imposing costs. There's going to be a commission rate. It might not be 30%. There's going to be some commission that Apple's going to ask for if you make money off of an external link from an app in their ecosystem, as we talked about when we were discussing the decision on the whole. There's going to be a security screen. Hey, this isn't controlled by us anymore. Please be wary because that's legitimate. The court has found that Apple's interest in its own security is legitimate. And while Epic might not like it, and there might be ways that Apple can go too far, may they make it 15 screens, Apple is going to do something, and that's going to be a fight in and of itself. So you add on, hey, the plain language of the court, and then also mention things that the court never mentioned, you're already raising these red flags. In that case, Epic says, if you allow us back on, if you change your guidelines and everything else, our remaining dispute will be about competing stores. And I genuinely believe we could find common ground on the topic if Apple's position were based solely on user security and privacy rather than commercial interests. So again, another set of red flags here. Not only have you changed what the court ordered with respect to the actual injunction on metadata and buttons and external links, not only did the court in its injunction actually provide Apple more time than just now. This is two weeks after that decision. They gave Apple 90 days to enforce it, so you're already jumping the gun on what Apple could have even changed under the, own, under the court's own understanding of the timeline, but you're also suggesting that Apple's justifications are pretextual when that's not what the court found at all. Looking at the pro-competitive justification section of the court's findings on distribution, it says here the court finds Apple's security justification to be a valid and non-pretextual business reason for restricting app distribution. By providing these protections, Apple provides a safe and trusted user experience on iOS, which encourages both users and developers to transact freely and is mutually beneficial. Centralized app distribution and the walled garden approach differentiates Apple from Google, and that distinction ultimately increases consumer choice. Epic Games does not persuasively rebut the security justification, nor shows it to be pretextual. Given the trial record, the court finds that Apple's security rationale is a valid business justification. With respect to commercial interest, the court finds the same. As for the intellectual property justification, the specific commission rate is pretextual. They don't find anything, as the court says, in about a dozen places in this decision about whether 30% is the right number, but it also doesn't say that Apple's protection of its intellectual property is pretextual. Apple is entitled to license its intellectual property for a fee and to guard its intellectual property from uncompensated use by others. Accordingly, Apple has shown pro-competitive justifications based on security and interbrand competition. And with respect to its intellectual property rights, controlling its intellectual property for a fee. So here again, you have Tim Sweeney going and telling Apple, yeah, you know, don't make it too onerous if you give us a level playing field. And by the way, that other thing we're fighting about, which is store distribution, we think you'll give that to us if you base it only on security and not the other things that the court found were not pretextual and were actually found by a court of law to be legitimate. Again, stealing rhetorical bases. And if you're Apple, you're sitting there and it's probably irritating you, even though Tim Sweeney is probably justified in thinking that he agreed to Apple's guidelines wherever and whenever we release products in Apple platforms. It's then paragraph after paragraph of how, yeah, maybe we differ on how those guidelines should actually be interpreted. Next, we have another tweet from Mr. Sweeney that talks about the timeline and then also incorporates Apple's response. He says, late last night, Apple informed Epic that Fortnite will be blacklisted from the Apple ecosystem until the exhaustion of all court appeals, which could be as long as a five-year process. Now, five years jumped out at me because that's a little bit high for a normal appeals process, even between kind of commercial titans. You can, of course, have appeals processes that go up to the Court of Appeals and down to the trial court or up to the Supreme Court and down to the, down to the Court of Appeals, but that's not at all the norm. So I wanted to look at this. And I said, for the record, median time for final disposition of the Ninth Circuit Civil Appeal is currently just a bit under three years from the original ruling, 34.8 months. But even that is a little bit deceptive and not exactly right for what's happening here. If we go, and I apologize for the size of these numbers, for those of you watching this on YouTube, but this is just the way a government chart looks, we can go and we can look at a table for the U.S. Court of Appeals medium time intervals in months for civil and criminal appeals terminated on the merits by circuit during the 12-month period ending September 30th, 2020. So as recently as last year, and again, remember, last year was a year in which a lot of courts around the country had trouble getting things done, but we can see here that there is a median time from the filing in the lower court to the last opinion or final order in the appeals court in the Ninth Circuit, which is where we're living, of 32.4 months, and That's all well and good, but it also isn't entirely accurate for what we're talking about because things like criminal appeals and prisoner petitions are generally going to go faster because the judicial system is more worried about people in cages and getting punished in that way than they are for civil complaints about monetary damages. So we actually have to go, we have to find the civil appeals section and there's where we get that 34.8 month interval. So we're talking about a little less than three years at kind of the maximum outside range. But it's also worth noting that there's a column here that says filing of notice of appeal, which we know happened on September 12th, to the last opinion of final order. And the average in the Ninth Circuit is actually 15 months. This number 34.8 appears to actually be taking into account when you filed your initial lawsuit, which would be August of 2020. Yeah, tack on a year to however long the circuit takes. So we've got a bunch of different numbers, none of which exceeds three years. A 15.3 number here, which is about a year and three months. And we could also go look at what the Ninth Circuit itself says about how it operates. It says, for a civil appeal, approximately 12 to 20 months from the notice of appeal date, if briefing isn't delayed, it's then nine to 12 months until we get to oral argument, if we're gonna have one. After oral argument, the court has no time limit to decide, but cases are generally decided from that point within three months to a year. You put all those numbers together and you kind of pick the middle point there and you get something like between two and three years. So it's a 15 month average as recorded to the federal table. It's between two and three years, according to the Ninth Circuit itself. It's something under three years from the trial court date. It is not an insignificant amount of time. That's not why I'm bringing it up here. I'm bringing it up here solely to suggest that five years might be a little long. Now, you might also say, hey, if the Ninth Circuit gives its decision, maybe we appeal it, we get an en bonk resolution, we try to do things with the Ninth Circuit, sure. Maybe we try to go and get a writ from the Supreme Court. And if the Supreme Court gets involved, it's even longer, sure. But on average, it's not gonna be five years, but it is gonna be a number of years. So Mr. Sweeney makes a good point here that Apple is keeping Fortnite off their store where Apple would make money, where certainly Epic would make money, and saying, no, we are not. And this makes Tim Sweeney upset. Let's see what Apple said in their letter itself. It says, Dear Gary, I'm responding to your recent request that Apple reinstate Epic's developer program account, which was terminated for cause last year. Epic committed an intentional breach of contract and breach of trust by concealing code from Apple and making related misrepresentations and omissions. In its decision, the court recognized that Apple had contractual rights to act as it did, It merely enforced those rights as Epic's own internal documents show Epic Games expected. The court further found that Apple's termination of the DPLA and the related agreements between Epic Games and Apple was valid, lawful, and enforceable. Following that decision, Mr. Sweeney has publicly said that Epic wouldn't trade an alternative payment system away to get Fortnite back on iOS. In light of this and other statements since the court's decision, coupled with Epic's duplicitous conduct in the past, Apple has exercised its discretion not to reinstate Epic's developer program account at this time. Furthermore, Apple will not consider any further requests for reinstatement until the district court's judgment becomes final and non-appealable. So now let's look at it a bit from the Epic side of things, right? Apple puts this language out there and we know it's correct in terms of the rights afforded to them. We've looked at this in the decision video. We've looked at this throughout the entire process here. We know Apple in general has in their agreements, the right to not work with another party to terminate a relationship with that party, and that's pretty normal across all contractual relationships. If you don't want to work with someone, the law is not generally going to force you to do that. We even saw in the court decision itself, as stipulated by Epic, if the court found a breach, that Apple could terminate them. Epic's argument is a little bit different. You don't see them litigating this particular question. You don't see them bringing it back to the trial court They're arguing it in the court of public opinion and essentially saying Apple had all these lines, not just in August of 2020, but as late as September 10th, 2020, that says, hey, we'll bring you back if you agree to everything. And now Apple's putting out an email here that says what I think is accurate, that Apple doesn't trust you anymore. You see a reference to a breach of trust. You see a reference to the fact that Tim Sweeney, through his tweets, through his statements, is continuing to make Apple uncomfortable that they might try something again. Apple was snowed by this hot fix version of the mega drop and Apple doesn't want that to happen to them again. Now you can argue that Apple shouldn't have made those statements in quite as bright and bold lines as they did for the last year. And I would agree with you. I think there's probably even me on video when Apple has said this once or twice saying they, they don't believe that. They don't believe that they would put Epic back immediately because Epic has already breached that trust. And so I probably wouldn't have said that in that fashion. So I think Epic has a good point here that Apple never intended to bring them back, but Epic has continued to say these things, has continued to appeal, has stolen those rhetorical bases in those emails. So I'm really of two minds here. I would love to have more players playing Fortnite. I play Fortnite. I like Fortnite. I like Epic's output. I like Unreal Engine in games. But I also see Apple's side of the perspective here to say, look, here's what you did. The court agreed with us. And now we've got a problem with you that is exacerbated by what you go out and say in public like, oh, I don't know a Twitter thread that excoriates us for tweet after tweet after tweet. As in, for instance, this is another extraordinary anti-competitive move by Apple demonstrating their power to reshape markets and choose winners and losers. Now I understand Mr. Sweeney being upset about this, but understand for the most part, market participants interacting with Apple didn't actually commit the party file that Epic did, didn't surreptitiously put in a hot fix to add a mega drop, didn't then have a marketing campaign ready to go to make things personal, didn't do all of this, which the court found to be completely out of bounds and didn't relate to their antitrust claim at all, which we'll see in some of the language we're about to look at. And so Epic is and continues to be a rather poor vanguard for what I think are legitimate grievances and complaints about the way Apple conducts business. Mr. Sweeney continues, why did Apple break its promise to allow Fortnite back under its rules? There wasn't a promise. Apple cites three reasons. They won, epic statements since the court's decision, and the way we launched direct payments in 2020. Fortnite should not be blacklisted for challenging an agreement containing terms the court found to be unlawful, which Apple forces on all developers as terms of access to iOS we will fight on. The need for regulatory and legislative action is clearer than ever before. And I really do think that Epic's push on all of this is better aimed at regulatory and legislative action, where at least you do have elected representatives or regulators looking at this issue as to what rules need to be imposed rather than applying the Sherman Antitrust Act, or even kind of the amorphous unfair competition law from California. But he quotes here about that unfair competition law finding, and he neglects to quote what the court also said about this. And again, I'm not begrudging him his rhetorical stance, but it's incomplete at best. The court also said, Even though the court has found the anti-steering provisions to be unfair under the UCL, that's the unfair competition law in California, the result was a measured alternative to plaintiff, that's Epic's, overreach. These provisions can be severed. That means separated. The contract can still exist, even with you getting rid of the anti-steering rules, while maintaining the provisions that require honesty to control the party's relations and the coding of apps. The court was never behind Epic hiding the ball on what it did. As the court continues, Epic Games never adequately explained its rush to the courthouse or the actual need for clandestine tactics. The marketing campaign, Free Fortnite, appears to have resulted in indirect benefits to Epic, but it does not provide it a legal defense. It's very clear that the court has tried to find something to give Epic, was bothered by the anti-steering rules, but does not find that the contract itself was something that Apple had to bring Epic back in on or that it was invalid or unenforceable. They say, with respect to the sections of the DPLA requiring developers not to provide, unlock, or enable additional features or functionality through distribution mechanisms other than the App Store, those sections have not been found to be unlawful under federal and state antitrust law or the UCL. This case does not involve retaliation. That's a word you'll see flying around on the Epic side of this thing on the internet. The court found it in bright letters. Does not involve retaliation. Epic Games never showed why it had to breach its agreements to challenge the conduct litigated. Two parallel antitrust actions prove the contrary, and Apple had contractual rights to act as it did. It merely enforced those rights as plaintiffs' own internal documents show Epic Games expected. Accordingly, plaintiffs' challenges to Apple's claim for declaratory relief fail as to the remaining requests. And that's where you get a declaration from the court that Apple's termination was valid, lawful, and enforceable. Apple has the contractual right to terminate its DPLA. Not with just Epic Games' Fortnite, folks, but with any of Epic Games' wholly owned subsidiaries, affiliates, and other entities under Epic Games' control at any time and at Apple's sole discretion, which folks have noted is footnoted with a 666, which probably feels that way, especially if you're a big Epic or Fortnite fan. But Tim Sweeney, again, stealing rhetorical bases. The court was very clear that the UCL was severable and that they were trying to find a way to allow Apple to control its ecosystem as they found was completely legal while still giving Epic or more specifically other developers some redress for what they saw was a problem with the way Apple conducted business. Now, what statements are we talking about here? Remembering that Apple said, you've made these statements that make us not trust you. All Apple sites is a quote they fabricated claiming I said that Epic wouldn't trade an alternative payment system away to get Fortnite back on iOS. What did I actually say? Well, the tweet he quotes is thinking much more about whether we're going to live in a world where two platform megacorps dictate software and world commerce to everyone, or whether the digital world and the future metaverse will be a free world. Wouldn't trade that away to get Fortnite back on iOS. Wouldn't trade a free world away to get Fortnite back on iOS is probably a better way to say it. And I think he's justified in saying that the quote that Apple decided to use here is not one that is terribly responsive to what Apple is claiming. They did take that that and bracket it and say an alternative payment system, which is putting words into Tim Sweeney's mouth. I think he's right to be upset about that. However, Tim Sweeney has made a ton of statements online, as he's wont to do, that are completely suggestive of why Apple might be reluctant to believe even if there weren't those rhetorical bases stolen in Epic's email that Epic intends to follow follow those guidelines. Let's take a look at September 10th, where Tim Sweeney tweeted out, Fortnite will return to the iOS app store when and where Epic can offer in-app payment in fair competition with Apple in-app payment, passing along the savings to consumers. That's not going to be before a court of appeals finding because the trial court says in-app processing, in-app payments can be controlled by Apple. That's justified and is not a violation of anti competition laws. So you've got Tim Sweeney, CEO of Epic Games, going out in public with a communication that says we're not going to bring it back until we can offer in-app payment, which is a contradiction to what he said in his email where he says, oh, external messages and we'll follow your guidelines. So, You've now got a relationship, if you're on Apple's side, with a company in Epic that hid the ball, did these clandestine things, the court found them to be problematic, the court found them to be in breach, and whose CEO is saying the opposite of what he's saying in an email to you. I look at statements like that and say, yeah, you're probably pretty justified to be concerned about the veracity there. Or maybe it's when Tim Sweeney decides to tweet out, hey Siri, what is a button? Ironically, putting forth a definition of a button that we would put on clothing to indicate that he doesn't understand what are the restrictions on that injunction. When we start talking about metadata and buttons, what does it mean? So you've got indications from the CEO of this company that's in current litigation appealing a trial court decision against you saying, I don't know what that language means and I'm not bringing it back anyway until I can offer in-app payment. So you look at all this. And you arrive at a place where Apple appears to be justified to not want to work with Epic or at bare minimum to not trust them when they send an email saying, oh no, we're totally going to abide by everything. The court language, remember, found exactly the opposite. Key to Project Liberty's deployment, Epic Games engineered a hotfix to covertly introduce code that would enable additional payment methods for the iOS and Android versions of Fortnite. By contrast, The Project Liberty Hotfix has no analog to just fixing software as it clandestinely enabled substantive features in willful violation of the contractual obligations and guidelines. It's a finding of fact from the trial court. So you've got all this history and Apple might be correct in being called to the court on their statements that said that they would bring Fortnite back if they agreed to everything. But one, they didn't agree to everything in the email that they put forth and two, Is the person that's putting out these tweets actually trustworthy for what that email suggests it is? I tend to side with Apple here that Epic has acted in such a way that they don't have to be believed when they put forth an email that even sounds, if you're not looking at some of the provisos and rest of the clauses, like something that you might be able to live with. Finally, you also have Tim Sweeney putting out tweets saying things like this, decorating your castle walls with the skulls of your enemies went out of fashion in the 1500s, but Apple's bringing it back in vogue. And he uses this to reference an article that talks about why Apple's doing this. And I thought this was a really weird set of bullet points. It's from another lawyer. It says, I think Apple's strategy is based on three principles. One, to drag this out as long as possible while it milks app store revenue, Apple will make m- many tens of billions of dollars from its app store pricing during the years the appeals process takes. That's a comment that is usually leveled at the party doing the appealing. Understand that as of right now, we don't have a cross appeal from Apple. We only have one appeal. We have Epic appealing the decision, putting at least 15 more months on the timeline here. Apple didn't decide to do that. Apple might just let it roll with what the court said against their anti-steering rules. I think they're going to cross appeal and fight on that, especially because it's based on a California law. It's a a bit ambiguous, but I don't know for certain that they will do that, so Apple dragging this thing out is an unusual comment on that. Second, punish Epic as much as it can get away with. This is a personal feud as well as a business dispute. And that might be accurate. As I've said here in virtual legality, when you start talking about business matters, even expensive ones with big multinational corporations, they're still run by people and people have emotions. But then again, you'd have to ask yourself, which party is responsible for for making this a personal fight. And again, I'd have to look at it and I'd say, Tim Apple here, Epic putting forth Fortnite commentary on the way Tim Cook operates, putting out a 1984 ad about Apple and its fascistic way of operating is making it personal. When the court continues throughout its initial documents and its ultimate decision to say, let's not make this into a righteous crusade. It's just two companies fighting over millions, if not billions of dollars. That's what it is. So while it might be personal, that appears to have been started by Epic and Mr. Sweeney. And then finally to use the punishment to discourage other companies from suing Apple. That might be the case. But you could also read it as saying, use the punishment to discourage other companies from breaching your contracts and surreptitiously making hotfix switches and things like that. So now you're Apple, you're looking at this, you've got Tim Sweeney talking about you like you're decorating your castle walls with the skulls of your enemies. And I don't think that Apple is in a position to be fought against on this particular vector. I think Epic is righteous. I think they feel like they're in the right on this. I think they're appealing it. Who knows how that appeal will go? Could go Epic's direction. But as it stands right now, it's a bold play to go and ask Apple to put Fortnite back on, or more specifically, to re-engage their developer account without even a promise that we'll put Fortnite back on, that anybody will make any money until you give them a level playing field, unless you commit to not having onerous requirements, even though the court itself gave you more time from now to decide what those guideline changes and how your software will operate will actually look in practice. Which is all a long way of saying this is not going to be a playlist that stops anytime soon. At bare minimum, Mr. Sweeney and Epic won't let it. There will continue to be news items that pop and undoubtedly legislative and regulatory regimes that change in front of Apple. And we'll be discussing them here in virtual legality. But as it stands right now, you've got these headlines about Apple lying. You've got people defending Epic. You've got people defending Apple in some corners as well. But as with everything here, it's a lot more complicated than it appears. And Epic's email and Tim Sweeney's statements to the public did them no favors in convincing someone to believe that Apple should put Fortnite right back on the store. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed discussions of technology, business, and law, please consider supporting the channel. I think we're pretty unique here in this space. We've got Patreon. We've got other ways to support us listed in the description of this video or just subscribing and telling your friends that we're having these conversations. Every little bit helps. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality.